Self-absorption in all its forms kills empathy, let alone compassion. And when we focus on others, our world expands, and our own problems drift to the periphery of the mind, and so seem smaller. This is Walking Your Talk, a personal development podcast about leadership, authenticity, and courage. I'm Carolyn Taylor, and I've spent my life working with leaders in organizations on how to change their culture, but this is much more personal. If you want to be known as someone who walks your talk at work and beyond, then this podcast is for you. That quote is from emotional intelligence guru Daniel Goleman. This episode is a part of our series on how you personally can improve your customer centricity, and so obviously your organizations, by walking that talk better yourself. And today I want to delve deeper into what it actually means to walk in your customer's shoes and to let go of that self-absorption, as Daniel Goleman calls it and so see the world through your customer's eyes and build that position of empathy. And then in next week's episode, we'll look at how you can then use that position to adjust your products, your behaviors, or your service so as to meet what you're seeing from the customer's perspective. So you may work directly with customers, like I do, or you may work inside an organization and see your customers more as being internal customers, people inside who you want to service better. And I think this content you'll find will work in either one of those cases. So when Goldman says that self-absorption in all its forms kills empathy, I know that my default position is often to be absorbed in myself, and yours may be too. So today I've picked a couple of tools and techniques to help pull you out of that place and then you can act from that new perspective. The core goal, I think, is to have your customer feel that they are the most important thing in your life. My assistant, Rupali, works with me to help provide the services of, she'll arrange all my appointments with clients across different countries and different time zones all over the world. She builds really strong relationships with the client's assistants and together they perform these kind of miracles to juggle calendars so that me and someone else can meet either face-to-face or or by teleconference. And Rupali doesn't work for me full-time. She also supports other people and other activities in our business. But do you know what? I feel as if I am the only person in her life. Now, I know logically that I'm not, but emotionally I feel I am. And that's because she never shows self-absorption when she interacts with me. She never talks about how busy she is. She never tells me that she's going to have to prioritize other things, although I know that she does. I know she does it all behind the scenes. Now, my clients often ask, you know, as I'm sure yours do, you know, how's business? How are things going? And for many years, I would respond by saying, oh, we're really growing and we're really busy and we've won all this new work and it's all great. I think what I was trying to do was show how successful we've been. 
Then what happened was I started listening when other consultants responded in a similar way and watching the way that clients kind of responded. And suddenly the penny dropped that actually my talking about how busy our business is or how busy I am was not necessarily going to make a current client feel good. Because what a current client wants in our business is to have a lot of attention, to be the center of my world. So my telling them how much other stuff we had on was having actually the reverse effect. It was a very self-absorbed response. So from that, I built one of the principles that's become very important to me, which is that I don't talk about activities that are not centered on this customer and how important they are to my life. And I always try to act as if getting what this customer wants is my top priority. Then, of course, behind the scenes, it's my job to juggle, as I know my assistant Rupali juggles, everything else that's going on, all the other pieces I've got, so that I can actually deliver to not only that customer, but all the others. So this is what I'd like to suggest that you experiment with as an exercise this week, which is what would it take for your chosen customers to feel that they are the most important person in your working life? Now, first of all, listen to your internal chatter when I say that. Oh, it's impossible. There's so many other competing demands. I have so much else on. I've got so much else to do beyond just serving them. If your customers are internal, you, know, you have so many, you may in fact need in this exercise to decide who are the people who you truly think of as a customer. So listen to that voice and then take responsibility. Go above the line. We talk more about this in episode 26. Because my question wasn't that they are the most important person in your life, but that they feel that they are the most important person in your life. And that's the trick here. Because given everything that you have got going on, what are the smart ways that you can develop that will build that deep empathy that comes from less self-absorption? What is one personal rule that you could abide by that would increase that feeling in your customers that they are the most important thing and allow you to still do everything you need to do behind the scenes? So here are three suggestions that I use. You may very well have lots of others. Mine are to always acknowledge an email, always acknowledge an email, even if I don't fully respond to it. I think one of the ways of having someone feel important is that they know that what they've said to you has landed. It's like, hello, I hear you. And I may take a day or two to answer the full thing, but I've heard you. I find that silence is one of the most disappointing things as a customer. Second one I use, I mentioned it before, is I don't talk about my problems or even my excitements unless they in some way would enhance the customer's experience. So I filter which problems and excitements I use to make sure that they're not actually something which I find exciting, but would actually throw some questions up in the customer's mind. And the third thing I do is to find out, record, acknowledge their important dates and events. 
So I think you had a presentation today. How did it go? I mean, it's the classic birthdays. But for me, it's more about I am trying to live inside of their life enough that they go, oh, okay, she's thinking about me. Now, none of those three actually take any time. Maybe the emails does a little, but it's not a long email. But what it does, I hope, is it starts to have my customers feel that they are the center of my life. Now, what I want to do next week is then to explore with you having had that feeling and started to walk in my customers' shoes, how do I then adjust my behavior, my products, my services, so that in fact they meet what the customer is looking for rather than what I think the customer should want? So these are some of my views on customer centricity, and I'd love to hear some of yours. So if you want to join in the conversation on social media channels, I'm at CT Growth Journey. I hope we can discuss it together and that you'll tune in next week for more aspects of what it takes to walk your talk on customer centricity. Thank you and goodbye for now.